It was five wonderful and magical days. And if you haven't guessed where we were, we were in Orlando, Florida. Do you think we went with our grandchildren this time? No, we did not. We spent it by ourselves, just the two of us, and we sure did learn a lot by watching grandparents with their grandchildren. And it was fun, and it was exciting, and not relaxing. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we're going to walk back through our vacation. A little bit about what we did, but more than that, about what we saw and what we concluded. Okay, so some of you guessed that we were at Walt Disney World. Um, I put up a couple pictures to kind of give you clues. So you guessed on that. And we went down there after Multiple three tries. Delays. This was the third try. The first one was when uh, COVID hit. So we had reservations and we were going in 2020, like March of 2020. And then the second one, Hurricane Ian hit. And we had, like, specifically picked the, what, two days when Hurricane Ian? The, the very day he hit, we were supposed to arrive. We had made reservations, and Walt Disney World told us that we could not get our money back unless there was a hurricane warning, warning. right? Not just a watch, but it had to be a hurricane warning. Or worse. And I felt terrible, but I was like, gee, I hope there's a hurricane warning because I don't want to go down there with it, you know, Freezing cold or okay. rain everywhere. So now that we've established our self-centeredness and our our, uh, <laughs> our sense of privilege. <laughs> it's terrible. Let's skip this part and actually start in on the vacation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of privilege, we did feel very privileged to be able to go. I mean, it was kind of like, wow, we, we get to do this. And we haven't done it for many, many years. I don't know when the last time we went was. Well, oh, we, we with grandchildren. We've never done it. Without the presence of children, grandchildren. Right. So we did get a chance to, to watch. We'll, we'll kind of walk you through what we did and what we saw, starting with day one. We started off our day in Hollywood Studios. Actually, it was the whole day we were going to be at Hollywood Studios. And Mike, you were really looking forward to this, right? I was going to spend as much time as we could in the uh, in, in Galaxy's Edge, which yeah. is the Star Wars land, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So we started the morning out uh, on the one most desired ride, uh, at least in my book, which is Rise of the Resistance. And we were expecting to stand in line for hours and... We had been told it was going to be hours. We had been told to expect. And so the park opened at 8 o'clock, and by 8.34, the ride was shut down. <laughs> so we uh, just kind of walked broke. away. This thing, this ride breaks multiple times a day, apparently. So, yeah. so we, we walked back pouting to do something else and then happened to be walking past the gate again a little bit later of that ride. And we saw people going in, and we asked, why are they? Well, well we've just turned the ride on, so you can go now. So we walked in and we walked and we walked and we walked and we never stopped in a line because there was no line because it, it had just been turned on. Unbelievable. <laughs> so our three-hour wait went down to a four-minute dash yeah. to get to the entrance of the ride. And uh, it, it was everything I had hoped. It was, yeah. it was amazing. And you almost you know, didn't, didn't believe that – you almost were unhappy because there were so many things to see – on the way to the ride, and you you were trying to kind of slow down. I got to over see it really this. quick. 
It was really fun. It was really fun. But I have to tell you, when we were in Hollywood Studios, we saw grandparents everywhere, and there was no way to not see them. It's like when you're that age, you start noticing things. I didn't. We didn't go there thinking, oh, we're going to spend all our time looking for grandparents, but it just kind of happened. I, I mean, we saw... Uh, one of them holding children, uh, holding a child on his lap in a scooter bug. Actually, we saw that multiple times. Um, grandparents holding their grandchildren. I'm assuming um, a grandmother was at the exit of Smuggler's Run, and she was holding a six-month-old. It looked like about a six-month-old baby, and you could tell, you know, she's just sitting there waiting for the parents who had been standing in line probably for two hours and you know can you imagine I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of holding a baby and then we saw I saw grandfather um rubbing a two-year-old's back before the dinosaur ride uh, which I actually thought was a little too scary for a two-year-old but that's just my opinion and her father was holding her and she was just too tired to stand anymore and the grandfather was like rubbing her back and telling her it was all going to be okay and it was great and she was fine. And and then another grandfather dodging bubbles in the center of the street in front of Rise of the Resistance. And then another grandfather, I saw a lot of grandfathers doing a lot of stuff, holding a toddler who was leaning back and doing somersaults on his legs. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of entertaining grandchildren. Which and, is ironic because you're spending a lot of money to go there and be entertained. Yeah, right. These were working grandparents. They were, they were hard at work. I mean, they were, they were doing the stuff, whatever it re- was required and whatever would make it easier for the parents. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of time. It's, I don't think you're going there to relax. In fact, it wasn't even relaxing for us because there's all this standing in line and it's work. You know, it's work, it, but it is work. so fun. So fun. Yeah, I just I think that the contrast of um, being able to focus on having fun mm-hmm. in For our us. situation mm-hmm. versus really having your mind on being support crew to your grown children and your and your grandchildren, knowing that you know you paid the same thing that everybody else paid to, to be in there, theoretically to be entertained, but mm-hmm. what you really are is support crew. So you change just, your expectations. You just have to go in with the altered expectation. Yeah, I think so. The next day was day two. As we came off the Avatar Flight of Passage ride, which we ended up waiting for three hours because it broke down halfway through and we were in this like cave and we couldn't get out. In the so line. We, in the line. So we just sat there and watched everybody, you know, and, and talked to people and got to know their stories a little bit. It was kind of crazy, but totally worth it. Oh, my goodness. Then on the way out, yeah. <laughs> when uh, the crowd is really quite sparse, we nearly got trampled. Yeah, by this couple who came running out with a couple of their kids, and they were running full speed out of the exit, and the dad was yelling, hurry up, Mimi and Grandpa have been watching the baby. <laughs> so this was a ride that had a two-hour wait, except yeah. that once we got in, due to the breakdown, it ended up being a three-hour wait. No telling how long this family had been involved, but probably three to three and a half hours. Yeah. And I mean, they were in a big hurry to relieve 
the yeah. heroes, the grandparents. Oh, they were totally heroes. That's what I thought. Yeah. When you say you'll watch them for two hours and then it ends up being three hours, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like when you work in the church nursery and somebody doesn't show up when they're supposed to at the end of your watch. It's like, wait a minute, I got to go and eat lunch. <laughs> it's another one of those things where you reset your expectation. Yeah. Because things like that can happen. Yeah. Then there was day three. The last day we were in Epcot and we saw something that was kind of a little disturbing when I think back on it. And actually while we were there, I thought a lot about it. It was a woman who uh, said she needed to, could she use the seat next to us? We were sitting down having a coffee or something. And she sat down next to us and um, she said she had a half of a lung and she was having a hard time getting around. And we certainly understood that because, I mean, it is tiring, all of the walking that you have to do and you know, standing. And I was talking to her a little longer and I said, well, what about a, one of those scooter bugs or, you know, a wheelchair or something? And she said, well, I went this morning to get one and they were all out of them. They didn't have any. And I said, oh, that's really too bad. And she said, yeah, well, they're going to, they said they were going to order m- more. And, you know, I don't know if it's COVID or what it is, but post COVID, but there seemed to be an awful lot of people in scooter bugs. I think that's what they call them or wheelchairs. And, It made me think, since this was in February, in the middle of the week, what's going on? Why are there so many people that are using these things? I will go out on a limb here and say that I saw some situations that made me scratch my head about whether there really was a medical or a a personal need there for a scooter Mm -hmm. or whether... These young, healthy parents with young, healthy children just wanted one to keep their children entertained. Now, this is Epcot. It's the park that is probably the least interesting to children. So I kind of get that the parents are looking for a strategy to keep their kids um, uh, a little bit more entertained or engaged. But I don't think that's the right solution. No, but but let's let's do the most generous interpretation and assume the people who are using them really need them. And... Not necessarily because they're unhealthy, but because they have a medical need. Yep. Right? I I understand that. But in the grand scheme of things, it made me think a lot about um, my own health and my aging and how I hoped that I wouldn't get into a situation where I would have to use that until I was quite a bit older. You know, I saw many young people and I thought, oh, my goodness, I... I hope I don't get to that place. It really made me want to come home and, you know, be a little healthier, maybe get out and exercise a little more. <laughs> and even even those who otherwise wouldn't need any kind of help but have had some kind of long COVID consequence, they may have respiratory deficiencies where they really do need these chairs. Yeah. Now, uh, I've, I've already put myself out there as being maybe the grumpy old man looking at uh, people who, you know, <laughs> may or may not need a scooter. But I'll tell you this, some of those grandparents scared me. <laughs> and the scooters, yes, they were like white knuckling. I was white knuckling it with the scooters. <laughs> it, having them go by you and not, exactly. not go, not run over your toes. I mean, there were some, <laughs> there were several close calls where a grandma who maybe didn't have such great uh, scooter driving skills. Yeah. 
was was going a little too fast <laughs> on a lane that was a little too narrow. And I, b- by the end of our trip, I was actually kind of jumpy around electric scooters with white-haired people on them. <laughs> and every time you heard the backup beeping, you were like, oh, my goodness, watch out. Somebody's going to back up into me. It was a little bit frightening. <laughs> it was probably the most frightening ride you know we were walking but it felt like a frightening ride all the lights were on yeah <laughs> there were lots of people around and here i am having ptsd about scooter beeping backup beeping yeah it was uh it was kind of ironic and funny but you know not so much and you know this is another thing i learned is that i love adventure but i do not like risk so i I loved all of the simulated rides and everything where there wasn't any risk, but there was tons of adventure. And you were puzzled by that, weren't you? You're like, what is this? Who is this woman? Um, I think I knew it, but I just hadn't really put the two pieces together. You know, if you you want adventure, uh, you're going to have to adopt some risk tolerance. Uh And if you don't want the risk, then you're not going to get the adventure. Yeah. Except... When you're in Walt Disney World, I guess. Well, I have to say, you know, I it, it might be a little shallow to love Walt Disney World as much as we did, but I have to say the creativity that we saw that was going on all around us from Avatar Flight of Passage to Soarin' to Rise of the Resistance to um, the Nemo show, so much creativity, so much color, so much beauty. I have to say it was just, it was mind-boggling, and I felt like... I wasn't just there being entertained. I was there being like enlightened and um, what's the word I want? I don't know. It's just For me, it was inspired. Yes, inspired. And I mean, almost brought us to tears a few times. It was just so beautiful to think of what this, what these Imagineers can come up with and the creativity they use to entertain and enlighten and inspire all of us. It was it was pretty awesome. You know, I saw a comment on a recent Facebook post asking people what their favorite trip with their grandkids was, and someone wrote Disney World. So in spite of all the hero work you have to do, the strolling, the carrying, the comforting, we still all love to see our grands happy. And I saw a lot of that, where the grandparents really loved it. But of course, they're not always happy. We saw a lot of meltdowns. <laughs> it was crazy how many meltdowns we saw. And you just wanted to scoop up the grandkids and say, well, let's go back to the hotel. I don't know that it was uh, literally this way, but I felt like we saw more meltdowns at Epcot than we did at the other parks. Hmm. And I attribute it to that park being maybe less kid-friendly or less kid-engaging. Yeah. It's good for older kids and adults, I think. But still, I mean, there were kids crying, screaming, refusing to pick up their feet in the stroller. Like, you know how they drag their feet, preventing the forward movement? So <laughs> the parents are trying to push the stroller and say, pick up your feet. And uh, we saw spills and whining. And, you know, children really push to the edge of their abilities to hold it together. And again, grandparents to the rescue, right? They're there when the grandkids are just so upset that, you know, they can't, they can't handle it. Part of that creativity you talked about is how grandparents and the adult children figure out different strategies to take care of that. Mm -hmm. We talked with a family of four kids and four adults, two of them grandparents in the airport. 
Yeah. Their strategy was kind of interesting. Were you going to talk about that? Yeah, that, that was on the way home. And these this couple lived near where we live, actually, and we got talking to them. And it was so interesting because these little kids were ages six months to five years old, four boys. And what they figured out to do was in the mornings, of course, they stayed on property, which is always easier and also a great privilege because not all of us can afford to be staying on property. We didn't stay on property. But if we'd had grandchildren there, we might have wanted to. Anyway, they stayed on property. They got up in the morning and then they just, what did they do? They They hung out at the pool Mm -hmm. through the morning. They allowed the ones who needed it to nap in the early afternoon. And then they used... You know, again, not everybody can afford to do this. They used features that the park provides to Lightning slot lanes. to slot yourself into certain ride times. They packed all those times into the late afternoon, and then with freshly napped children and uh, slightly uh, contented from a morning at the pool, they dash out to the park, hit all the rides, come home, have dinner, and call it a day. Yeah, which really it was only three or four hours. But the interesting part is that in those afternoon hours, the rides have shorter lines and, you know, less crowded in some of these parks. That was a smart strategy, given the grandkids' ages. As grandparents, sometimes you can't I mean, we certainly couldn't afford to uh, treat all of our grandchildren, all 10 of them, to a trip to Disney World. <laughs> we could pay for tickets and pay for everything. We, we just couldn't do it. But what we can do is be support crew. Right. As long as we do those things. We go in with altered expectations. Right. And if our physical condition continues to hold up so that we can do those kinds of things, mm-hmm. we may go back. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever go back with just the two of us to be big kids again. Yeah, I would highly recommend it, doing at least once. And I did get some feedback from some of our listeners that they have done that. They've also gone with their grandkids and both times have been wonderful in different ways. So In that's, different ways. Yeah. was our trip and we really enjoyed it we had a nice break and now we'll be back to our regular podcast until our move which we haven't talked much about and i want to make sure that we do because i i know that i have not mentioned too much why where we're going or what we're doing but we're moving to be closer to four of our other grandchildren who have said it's our turn now (laughs) so we're going to live by them and right now strangely enough Uh, We are living communally with our daughter and son-in-law and three granddaughters in our home. And why is that, Michael? Well, because it's not going to be our home in about a week and a half. It's going to be theirs. So they've bought the house in which the daughter grew up in. Mm -hmm. So she and her husband are going to raise their children in the house that she grew up in. She's just madly excited about that. We are um, signing it over to them so that we become guests in our own house, so to speak, for a few weeks while we find another place to live. So we'll be technically homeless 
We are going to try to continue producing episodes of the podcast while this is all going on. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. We are hoping to have at least three more podcasts before we actually move, and then we we'll, might take one or two weeks break and then do it again. But we wanted to keep you updated on that. So right now we're living among boxes, trying to figure out. We have no address yet because we're going to go house hunting next week. Um, I, I would prefer to call it home hunting. We're going to try to find a new home. But um, it's really fun to think about them living here. And we're not precious about this place. We're happy that they're going to change it and do the things they want to do to make it their home. So uh, what, a, what a privilege. And we're really excited about that. And yes, change is hard. But you know what? It's not as hard when you're not as old. Yeah, exactly. And we are trying to follow our own advice. So we have done interviews of people who have moved to be near their grandkids and we are now having to employ the stretch it takes to do the kinds of things that we've been hearing other people do. So we will let you know how that goes. But in the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us on Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. A lot of the dynamics that adult children and their parents have were established actually when they were trying to figure out who they were as teenagers. And that's a stage of life where you immediately are defensive. Anything your parents say is an attack on who you are and who you're becoming. And so when grandparents come in and say, let's do this, let's do it this way, even when a grandparent is there 100% because they love their grandchild, they support their parents, That's they have pure goodness in their heart, it can come across as a critique of the parent's parenting. That's next time on The Grand Life. <laughs>